Hello, and welcome to the Amber Live interviews. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live. We want to remind you to subscribe to us both here and at youtube.com slash amberlive. You don't want to miss a moment of Amber LeMay, the Larry King of drag queens. There's so much more to the show than just the interviews that Amber does each week. We have hundreds of interviews, comedy sketches, songs, and more on YouTube that you can watch anytime. But in the meantime, you can listen to the amazing interviews right here. Now enjoy this episode of Amber Live Interviews. So please welcome Lieutenant Governor John and Gazelle Fetterman. Please. Hello there. There's <laughs> Lieutenant Governor. Nice seeing you. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Yeah. We just lost the tooth. Yeah, like he, little... yeah, he just lost the tooth. So oh. <laughs> literally two minutes before we got on, we came on. So we got that taken care of. So yeah. Well, but, yeah. tell the tooth fairy I said hi. Oh, yeah, will. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Governor, uh, you had some breaking news in Pennsylvania that you were talking to other other press right before we went on. Can you tell us about yeah. that? Well, um, uh, uh, one of the state senators that was uh, helped spearhead that meeting in Gettysburg, that that kind of that whole snake handling kind of crazy, you know, talk about the election. Uh, unfortunately, and, and very seriously, he's contracted COVID. He went to the White House and they, they test the president, everyone around the president for COVID. And he tested positive. And it's it's very sad because. You know, he had this large event indoors at a hotel ballroom and none of them were wearing masks. And, you know, and again, I I absolutely sincerely and truly wish him a, a speedy and uneventful case. But I, I don't I just don't understand, you know, in this day and age under these situations, why we would we, we choose not to take this virus, given that we had over a quarter million more empty chairs around this country's uh, this past Thanksgiving. It's, it's, it's just awful. It, it really is. It really is. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us tonight. Oh. So, um, Lieutenant Governor, how did you become Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania? Yeah. You know, where did it start? Yeah, well, I mean, the simple answer is, is that I campaigned and, and I was lucky enough to be chosen by the voters of Pennsylvania. Uh, but I really just always wanted to get involved uh, and it sounds corny, but just make the world a better place. And um, I started out as a program director, helping young people, you know, get their GEDs and get their first jobs, driver's licenses and things like that. And then I decided to run for mayor of the town that we're in. And it just went from there. And So, so what town was that? Braddock, Pennsylvania. And how, how big is Braddock? Braddock's a small town, but it's very historic because uh, I'm sure you've all heard of Andrew Carnegie, the the great steel magnate that that really helped, you know, he was kind of like the the Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs of his of his day. He uh, actually uh, built his first mill here in town, and it's actually home to the last steel mill in all of Western Pennsylvania. We live across the street from it right now, actually. Well, how cool! So, um, so you ran for mayor of Braddock. Um, how, how your first time you ran and you won? Yeah, I, I won. And I served several terms. He won by one vote. 
One vote. So did you beat an incumbent? I did. I, I beat an incumbent. And uh, several terms later, um, I uh, ran for lieutenant governor and, and won in 2018. And uh, it's, it's, it's a great honor to, to serve. And I don't have to tell you, these are strange days for any number of reasons. And now we are in this fight where in the first history time in the history of the Republic, you have a sitting president that refuses to concede an election, despite all evidence to the contrary, that he soundly lost it. And I, I don't understand. What, what if this was happening in any other country in the world? How would we be reacting? What would we be saying to that country? We, we would be like, oh, God, I'm glad we don't live, you know, that's <laughs> like I, it's it's just it, to your point it's it's just so humiliating that that uh, this idea that just because you don't like the outcome that somehow means there was fraud I mean like it, it's just so disingenuous and so destructive and and what I said during this uh, this whole turbulent time is is that this isn't free speech this isn't a quest for the truth this is yelling fire in a crowded theater and it needs to be treated as such this is not free speech this is is dangerous it's harmful and it's intentionally destructive exactly so you know when you talked about how you beat defeated an incumbent by one vote that reminds me of a certain vermont politician who ran for mayor and won by he beat an incumbent by 10 votes and then when be, went on to become a congressman a senator and almost democratic candidate for the president bernie sanders yeah well i i i just hosted an event actually a mile from our house here in braddock with senator sanders what three weeks ago it was right before the election for, for Joe Biden. So yeah, he, he was just here, like I said, just three weeks ago. So Bernie's a proud son of Burlington and uh, we're, we're very proud of him. As, yeah, as, other uh, than Ben and Jerry's, I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that, does it? I mean. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And we've got Ben and Jerry too. And, uh, and, and Burlington, you and I, we were just speaking before you, my, we, we eloped in Burlington uh, back in 2008 so, and uh, we go back every five years. So I, we love Vermont and Burlington. So why did you choose Burlington to escape to? Oh, I, I love Vermont. Like if, if things ever didn't work out in Pennsylvania, I, I would love to be the, the, the newest resident of the green state. Uh, I, I just have always loved Vermont. And uh, it was just a road trip. And we got married in the front yard of a justice of the peace up there in Burlington. And, and, and again, it was one of the best times of my life. Oh, that's great because I wish I know because I'm a justice of the peace. And you know what I heard? <laughs> now you tell. Well, maybe maybe well, after you know we're what, we're 13 years. Maybe our 15th we'll have a vow renewal that you could preside over. Oh, you know it was so funny when I heard that you got married by a justice of the peace. I was racking my head. Did I marry him? Did I marry him? <laughs> but I checked and it was a female. And I checked a few of my female just fr friends who are justices of the peace, and none of them. It wasn't any of them. So I'm curious to find out who that was. It was a very nice older lady, and we did it in her front yard. In fact, she. She actually even picked a couple flowers out of her garden and gave them to Giselle. And I'm gonna look up. I will look up her name in the. It should be in the certificate. Yeah, it was just part of you know reason number nine hundred forty-three that I we love Burlington and Vermont, and it was just great. 
And um, I saw that you were back here for um, a one of your anniversaries, and uh, there was a beautiful picture of Giselle. And I could tell you were at Lunig's restaurant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We went there the night um, right after we got married as well. That's where we had yeah. dinner. So we always go back, and we always get a glass. They have these glasses you could take home. Uh-huh. We always yep. take one back. Everybody. You have good taste. I know you have good taste if you went to Lunig's. That's one of my sure. uh, You know, she ended up with me, so she t- let's not say she has great taste. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but nevertheless, yeah, no, uh, this isn't schmaltz. I mean, like, genuinely, you know, love Burlington uh, and uh, go back there as often as we can. And and uh, every every five years, that's our, that's our you know, like every, every fifth wedding anniversary, we go back to Burlington. So well, you have a date coming up with you next time we're in town. I'd love to, I'd love that. And I'll, I'll take you a tour of the town too. Some places that you might not have found yet. So Giselle, I do want to say that you are one very lucky, lucky person. Do you know that? Because I rarely let anyone more pretty than I on the show. <laughs> and uh, you're coming close, girl. You know? <laughs> it only encourages her, you know, that's not helpful. It only encourages her. So, so how did you two meet? You want to tell? I'll tell my story. I don't, I don't, you know? I don't even want to talk about this. <laughs> I um, I came to visit Braddock. I had read about this community, and you know, I was doing work at that time in food justice and food access out of Newark, New Jersey, which was another city that had seen its challenges. And I um, was curious about the work that was happening here, and I had never read about a city that lost so much. Braddock lost ninety percent of its population, its buildings it's businesses. So I, I wanted to see what that looked like or that felt like. And I arrived to visit. And of course, he fell madly, madly in love with me which as is, I entered the town. And uh, here which, I am. Which, if, which isn't true. <laughs> but she says that knowing that if you take one look at both of us, you know, it's true. You know, like you're going to believe her. It's, but it's, it's not true. true. She did come and visit. That part's true. But, but, uh, but yes. You know, we celebrated our 13th anniversary this past June, and uh, it all started in Burlington. So that that is super. Now, um, I heard that you have some tattoos, Lieutenant Governor. Is that correct? I do. I do. I have uh, Braddock zip code uh, here, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's really uh, you know it will always be a part of me. It's where we chose to you know I all three of our children, Giselle. All had them uh, home water births. Uh, all three of the kids—they were all born here in Braddock, and we are live here. We don't. Um, uh, the lieutenant governor has a mansion uh, in in Harrisburg, and we're the first uh, to you know decline to live in it. In fact, insisted that the state divest itself of it, which they have. So they did. They did. They did. Yes. Um, and uh, it's it just. Um, it's where it's our home is. Yeah. Well, how's cool. And, and you live in a re- renovated Chevy dealership, I believe. Correct. Yeah. You can, uh, um, there's, there's pictures floating around online. I guess it's design sponge or something or yeah. Uh, if you Google it and, uh, yeah, it was an old Chevy dealership built in 1922 superior motors, which, uh, downstairs, of course, before this awful pandemic hit, was a, a national class restaurant and at that, that same name that you know has won a bunch of awards, had as the national profile, um, and then a smaller black box, uh, black box theater in the in the back. 
Okay, so you, you uh, Giselle, so tell me about some of your activism. I understand you have many interests that you uh, you, you you promote. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I have the free store, which I started in, in 2012, and it's what it's called. It's a free store. It was one of the first free stores in the country where we are able to provide items to families um, need at no cost. So anything from diapers to formula, and these are all items that would have otherwise ended up in the landfill, but they're perfectly good. So I really care about the environmental impact, um, but coming from a third world country, moving here and just witnessing the excess. Like as a young kid, we dumpster dived. I saw the waste and how much was discarded, both retail wise, as well as just in regular homes. And I wanted to create a way that we can save that, but do it in a really dignified way. So, you know, we're entirely volunteer run, we're efficient, we're solar powered, and we're just kind of this magical little happy place um, where we can share things with each other. So I understand um, the other day you went to Costco and picked up a few items. <laughs> yes, yesterday, yeah, five, Saturday. Five, like uh, 500 pumpkin pies. Uh, Costco ordered too many or they didn't sell as many as they thought. And these are perfectly good pies. I mean, they, they would sell them. And, and they, we have, she has a, a, a relationship with Costco and other retailers like Trader Joe's and others that all of their surplus stuff or, hey, they get a new load of bananas in and they, you know, all this stuff used to get thrown out and it's perfectly good food. Can you imagine throwing 500 pumpkin pies in the dumpster that are perfectly good? I mean, and and this kind of capturing and rescuing and 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 putting and matching, like, like who, no matter how weird and conservative you are, would you rather have a pumpkin pie go in a dumpster than on someone's table? You know, and it's all at no cost, you know, and, and it saves dumpster space, it's, you know, methane, you know, everything. So it's it's a win-win, but yeah, uh, that, just yesterday. And in this day, in the COVID, you know, the food insecurity is just growing and growing, you know, so thank you very much. That That is great. And is that part of your free store as well? Yeah, and then I started another nonprofit after that that grew out of the free store. Uh, so, you know, rescuing food, all these surplus items. I really care about showing the value in not only people in places like my community, but in things as well. So, you know, we do that through efforts where through For Good PGH, which is my other nonprofit with, with a partner, um, we work to uplift women. We have a incubator space designed for women in the community. So we really believe in growing the community from within. So, you know, all sorts of support. We think women will save the world. We believe in investing in women. So we do a lot of women-centric work um, through the other nonprofit. Um, but it's I try to think of things that would have helped my mom, who was a single mom, raising us in a country where we didn't speak the language, we didn't have any money. Um, I think of programming that would have helped my family when we really needed it, and I try to create those programs um, here in the work that I do. All right, so um, are you, I know you work with this locally there where you live. Now, are you being the second lady of, of woman person of Pennsylvania. Uh, do you do any statewide initiatives? Mm -hmm. I do. I recently wrapped up a they, they tour picked, with the census. Yeah, they picked her to be the face of the census in Pennsylvania, not me. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, I, you know, like, 
So like it, it just it's it's part of an ongoing pattern where she's everyone's favorite. <laughs> parents love me more for sure. Um, it's true. So I just wrapped up a tour with the census where we really work to get everyone counted. Um, you know, I get to to live my truth and tell my story. You know, I came to this country as a young immigrant. I'm a former dreamer. I lived in fear for a really long time, and now I get to kind of really live openly. Um, so I'm grateful for whatever platform I have for however long to, to work on these issues that I really care about. So, uh, Lieutenant Governor, I understand that um, at one time you had two flags hanging outside your office that the Republicans didn't like. Can you tell me about that? Sure. Um, I, I, my, my office has a large balcony that's kind of like prime real estate in Harrisburg that you basically can't walk into the Capitol without walking underneath my balcony. So um, I hang, uh, I, the first time ever in Harrisburg, I hang the, the pride, the, the, the pride and trans pride flag off the balcony. And I'm also a big fan of, uh, legalizing weed, which you guys, of course, and, uh, marijuana flags. And this so incensed my Republican colleagues that <laughs> they literally changed the law to, to, to try to ban that, that practice. And of course, uh, it's absurd it, it on its face where like what they're going to, unless the Pennsylvania state police has like the, the gay flag division to come see them. I don't know who they would even call them to maybe take them down. So uh, we, we ordered some great new ones. They actually, they just arrived the other day. So, so um, we're going to redouble those efforts to prevent that until Pennsylvania acknowledges that everyone deserves equal protection under the law and that we give our residents the freedom, the revenue, the justice, the jobs that comes with legalizing uh, weed, too, in Pennsylvania. Uh, where does Pennsylvania stand on that now? Uh, we, we have work to do. I mean, and, and it's, it's a similar refrain where it's the Republicans that keep, you know, jamming these things up. And this, these things that are self-evident, as far as I'm concerned, this idea that it doesn't matter you know, who you love, how you identify, or, you know, criminalizing the use of a plant or any of these things. It's just absurd and it's it's counterproductive and it should be part of this shared basket of beliefs that, you know, that I don't understand why it's even a debate. I don't know why it's considered progressive or, or whatever. It's just basic. It's equal protection under the law and it's just common sense as far as I'm concerned. So um, do you fear any um, thing that... Uh the current president might do before he leaves office that could hamper any of your favorite I, issues? I, I, I don't. I don't. And, and you know, his, his time is over and, and he's just unfortunately going out in a very undignified and damaging way. But he knows, too. Like nobody, nobody in this country knows better than he does that his time is up. He knows that. And he is more than happy to, again, create as much damage as he can on the way out. But now that we know and we can expect it and we can plan on it, I think that'll minimize the, 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 the kind of it, what would have been unthinkable four years ago and even unfortunate six months ago is now kind of like, eh, whatever. I mean, you know, we expect it. And, and, um, and it, it's still going to go. I mean, they're still going to try to do the whole electoral college thing and they're 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 moving their snake their snake handling jamboree to arizona tomorrow and then 
<laughs> then the the snake handlers go to Michigan. So part of this, like, I don't know what it is, this sad traveling, you know, carnival barking that they try to stir this up when, you know, what would be helpful for their cause would be actual voter fraud, which they haven't been able to produce it at all. Now, um, I understand the Lieutenant Governor of Texas um, offered a big reward yeah. for anybody who could prove um, voter fraud. Yeah. My, yeah, my dude in Texas was like, I want voter fraud and I'll pay a million dollar you know, reward if you can demonstrate voter fraud that leads to criminal charges. And I was like, well, hey, dude, we got two cases in Pennsylvania. They both happen to involve Republicans voting for Trump on behalf of either dead or living relatives, which is hilarious, but that is immaterial because it demonstrates just how rare and how hard voter fraud is to to perpetrate. So, so what are you what are you going to do with your share of the million dollars? You ghosted us. Like we went to collect. And yeah. Like, we we were all gonna donate it to the, the Greater Pittsburgh Food Bank, but but he of course stiffed us. But uh, we delivered we delivered on our end. He said he wanted fraud. I'm like, here, dude, here's the fraud. And uh, I guess he wasn't sincere. But uh, but what is true? And the good news, if you can call it that, is one, no voter fraud, and two, a month after the election, with hundreds of lawyers and millions of dollars at their disposal, that's all they got. I, I totally understand. Um, so um, believe it or not, you're not the first Pennsylvania politician I've had on my show. Uh, back before the, the election, I did a show um, with a lot of GLBT-related uh, candidates, and your um, own Jessica Benham was uh, a guest on my show. And I was excited to have her, and she was elected. Yeah, I'm looking forward to her taking it over in the House, and, and she's she's great. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of reasons and she's one more to be optimistic. Um, and, you know, this, the, you know, some of these things that I just wish we could just add to this collective basket of understanding in terms of public policy and, and, and what an empathetic, you know, society would, would want for all of its residents. Um, so it, it uh, yeah, she's great. And uh, she's the first uh, LGBT and an autistic state rep uh, in Pennsylvania's history. That's amazing. And um, I, I, I've mentioned him many times, but could you put in a few words, uh, a good word for Brian Sims for me? You know, I, I always like looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Brian, Brian, of course, Brian's very, you know, very, I mean, never shy about sharing how he feels about things. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, he's he's out in front as always. All right. So I have one more question. Um, at the after the election, when uh, the Democrats didn't get a, as many um, House or Senate seats as they thought they should, someone I believe she was from uh, Virginia said that we can't call ourselves democratic socialists. You know, that's not working. What are your feelings on that? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I respect anyone that calls themselves a democratic socialist. I respect any, you know, this idea, this idea that, um, this idea that uh, you want to blame anyone. I, I would never blame a more conservative member or a more liberal member or anyone member. Um, he or she has the right to represent their own districts in a way that they believe they're, that they were elected to do. 
I don't like the the kind of circular firing squad uh, uh, mentality of, well, it's your fault that I lost or it's your fault that I didn't do this or, or whatever, because we're, we're in a post-truth election world right now. And it's like you're going to you know, you, I mean, look, we have a president saying that this is the greatest rigged election in, in the history. I mean, like truth, truth is becoming increasingly less relevant. So they're going to say whatever they're going to say. And, 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 you know, I don't think after the year we've had, I don't want our guns trained on anybody metaphorically, but certainly not amongst Democrats. So I, it's a matter of represent the people to your best of ability and what you believe and what you want them to, to articulate. And, you know, like that's fine. Great. All right. Well, I'll let you guys take a little break um, and uh, go tend to your son's tooth <laughs> and uh, go back to the green room and we'll be back and bring you back on because we want you to talk with Hal Sparks. So uh, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Oh my. <laughs> Wasn't that fascinating? That was so cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amber Live interviews. Remember to subscribe to us so you don't miss a single minute of the fun. And remember, it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJD Pro or by visiting us at AmberLive.tv and clicking on the Support Amber Live button. Thank you. Live from the House of LeMay Makeup and Dressing Room. Here comes Amber. Stop what you're doing. Here comes Amber. She's just doing what she can. Here comes Amber. Cue the spotlight. Here comes Amber with two drinks in her hand. The matriarch of fashion, secret sewer glasses, you can't look away. Ask her, does she do it? Really nothing to it. She's got that sound on her game. Or if you're naughty, call up the house of the maid. Here comes your favorite gal. 